Hey, this is Mike from EpicMarketer.com. I wanted to let you know that the episode you're about to listen to is from our archives and a podcast that I did called the Internet Marketing Podcast back in 2013. You'll notice that we reference the domain Mike'sPodcast.com, which I no longer own, but I still wanted to make sure that you had access to some of the great content and interviews from this session. So if you need anything in the future, please visit epicmarketer.com. Thanks so much and enjoy the podcast. You're listening to the Internet Marketing Podcast with your host, Mike Cowles. Hey, this is Mike from epicmarketer.com. And for today's call, I'm super, super excited to bring in one of my favorite marketers and a guy that I consider a good friend, uh, Mr. Pat Flynn. Now, this is episode 50 for Epic Marketer, and Pat was one of my inspirations, um, him and also uh, Jason and Jeremy from over at uh, Internet Business Mastery as far as podcasting. I really got hooked on podcasting and what a great concept that is to be able to uh, learn stuff, be entertained, be inspired, be educated uh, while you're in the middle of doing boring, mundane stuff like driving, working out, whatever. And uh, I remember the very first time I heard Pat, I did a, a search in iTunes for uh, internet marketing, and I found Internet Business Mastery, and I found Pat Flynn right next to him. And I thought, oh, I'll check this guy out. And the first thing he was teaching on was affiliate marketing. And one of the challenges that I think marketers we run into, especially if we've got some experience or we've got some successes, we kind of feel like there's nothing new uh, to learn. And so when I started listening to Pat, I kind of had a little bit of that closed mind, <laughs> and I'm just being transparent when I first started listening, but literally within about a minute of listening to him, I was like, this guy is awesome. And what he was talking about was a live event that he did and where he, what he shared from there, and um, just loved his transparency, loved uh, the insight that he shared, and I really loved his heart for people. Like one of his favorite strategies, which I'd love to hear a little bit more from him today, is um, uh, unexpected uh, or random acts of kindness. And uh, I just thought, what a great way to you know build a relationship and show people you care, and not in a manipulative way, like hey, because I gave you a dollar, I'm expecting you to give me a dollar, but just being cool to people and treating them the way that you know you want to be treated. So. Uh, I want to make sure I get out of the way of Pat because he's the one I really want to hear from, and I'm sure you're going to want to hear from as well. So, so Pat, thank you so much for being on the call, man. Hey, Mike, what's up? No, uh, you know, no problem. I'm happy to be here. And first of all, congratulations on episode 50. Yeah, yeah, it's it's exciting. I uh, I remember reading many many years ago. Tony Robbins said that uh, power is the ability to take action, and I thought, how cool is that? That just means it's really just a choice because. Uh, you know, whether we fail and we adjust or we do great and we celebrate it, you have to take action. And if you continue to take action, no matter what, then uh, you'll learn and you'll grow. You'll grow. So, uh, so yeah, you're a big inspiration for that, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, my pleasure. And thank you for the wonderful intro and, and the kind words. It's just uh, super cool to see you doing what you do, Mike. And, um, you know, I can't wait to dive into whatever we are going to dive into. Sure, sure. Well, I got to tell you that the first most important pressing question I have for you is, was the pizza in Chicago as good as you were expecting? That is a very important question, actually. <laughs> and yes, it was It was actually better than I expected. Awesome. Um, I am from San Diego and, you know, our sort of 
pizza here is Papa John's or Pizza Hut. And so uh, going there and, and having a, yeah, a pizza, just a deep dish pizza is just amazing. And I can't wait to go back. Awesome. Yeah, so that was really cool uh, finally getting to meet you in person and hanging out with you and with Jason and, uh, you know, <laughs> getting you lost on the way to the airport was a good time, too. <laughs> hey, I made the flight. It's all good. And thanks for the ride, by the way. Yeah, sure, sure. So it's funny because I was talking to my wife afterwards and I'm like, <laughs> he was probably thinking, oh, no, <laughs> I got in the car with the wrong guy, you know? <laughs> he just wants me in the car as long as possible. <laughs> right, right, right. Had nothing to do with my tape recorder running the whole time, right? <laughs> so, uh, no, so awesome. So, you know, one of the big things um, that I want to get into as far as talking today is mindset. And I just... Uh, I, I love getting around people that are super successful. And sometimes I find they're, they're real um, intellectual smart guys, but a lot of times I find that they're kind of more uh, average from intelligence, but they've just got this different way of looking at things uh, in order to see values and prioritizing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're one of those guys that's super smart and has that great mindset. What do you, what do you attribute that for, to? Uh, well, I mean, maybe on the outside it might seem like I'm super smart, but really I think I'm just sort of an average, uh, you know, I have an average IQ, I think, and I just am somebody who, um, like you were mentioning in the beginning of the shows, I take action, mm-hmm. and that's one thing I know I do really well, and I know I do it sort of without worrying or not worrying as much about failing and actually expecting to fail, not trying to, but just expecting that that's going to happen because that, I have learned, is just a part of the process, and that has just taught me so much, you know, just experience alone and, and, and doing. Um, but as, as far as, uh, you know, just how smart I am, I mean, I'm not that smart. I just, I just see what other people are doing, see what's working, and then put my own spin onto it uh, and, then, and then take it from there. And, and I do what so, something I called uh, or something I learned um, while reading The Lean Startup by Eric Reese is I pivot. I pivot mm-hmm. a lot. Yep. So when I go and come across a wall, you know, maybe I can't go through it. Maybe I, you know, go around it or take a different direction. And um, again, it's all just based on, you know, I wouldn't know where to go if I didn't get on the path and, and see what was there already. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You know, um, one of the things that I see about that that's for me was really kind of a, a mind expander was you expect to fail but that's not necessarily like an identity, like you're a failure if things don't work out exactly as you expect. And I think one of the big uh, reasons why that's key is because a lot of times, you know, I, I'm guessing that you're a bit of a perfectionist because your stuff is so polished. And I know I'm a perfectionist too. And the the challenge with that is nothing is perfect. And if something is by somehow miraculously perfect, it's not going to last for more than a millisecond. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. Like I was listening to a, a podcast with James Schramko and he was talking about that and he said, you know, picture like you wash your car. It looks perfect. Well, you know, two days later, it's going to look dirty again. You know, if you mow your lawn and it's manicured, you know, in a week, it's going to be out of control. So, you know, you can't kind of set that uh, parameter of I'm not going to take action unless if things are perfect. Um, but the other thing is, is you're always wanting to improve on things. You know what I'm right, saying? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel perfection is is just an excuse. I mean, really, when you think about it, you trying to make something perfect is just you actually 
delaying something that you should already be doing. And, you know, another thing I picked up from reading The Lean Startup was the fact that, you know, perfection is going to kill your business. When you launch something, when you launch a minimum viable product is what he calls it, an MVP, mm-hmm. or just something that, that works and delivers but isn't necessarily perfect, you're going to get your customers in there or users who are going to share with you what works at the core of what it is you're trying to do. And if you wonder if, if they tell you, okay, this doesn't work, then good thing you didn't try to make it perfect because you would have wasted all that time. Or, and they would tell you sort of where to go next or what to add or what works and what doesn't. And you're going to discover stuff by putting your stuff out there that you would never find out unless you were to put your stuff out there. So I, I really think perfection is, is just all kinds of evil. Um, <laughs> but it's funny because we always obviously want our stuff to be as perfect as possible. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs um, like you and I, Mike, we we are, quote, perfectionists. But I think you have to think about it like, well, being perfect nowadays isn't putting something out there that is 100% polished because, like you said, it's nothing can be. And if it is, it's only for a very short period of time. I mean, maybe not even two days after you wash your car. I mean, just (laughs) like a minute after you wash your car and you start driving again, you're going to get, you know, road salt, you know, wherever. And it's just... You know, you, you have to stop trying to be perfect and just start trying. <laughs> yeah. You know, the big thing for me is uh, I'm a bit of a rescuer by nature. And so for me, it, uh, what I had to change in my thinking was to stop thinking about myself, you know, my uh, appearance or how I look or, you know, if people are going to respect me or whatever, mm-hmm. and instead start looking at uh, other people and their needs. And like, you know, if, for instance, somebody needs to know how to... I don't know, find a good microphone, <laughs> you know, um, you know, you put out a, an awesome video that had, you know, uh, the, the different mics that you bought and, you know, I don't know how long it took you to do that, but like for me, I saw that video and I was like, that's awesome. Mic number two, you know, which by the way is a audio technica, uh, ATR 2100, which is what I'm using now. I was like, that's perfect. It's within my budget. It sounds great. And if, if you, meaning Pat, had had waited and said, you know what, I want to make sure that I've seen every mic in the world or, <laughs> you know, that right, I've right. edited this a thousand <laughs> times or had, you know, some different intro music and split tested or whatever, I would not have seen that. So for me, the big thing was thinking about other people in order to take action, making it good enough where it's helping people and giving mm-hmm. them value. Yeah, I mean, that's a great example. And I'm, it makes me think about when I first started doing podcasting. This, uh, I actually wanted to start a podcast. I even mentioned this on my blog in December of 2008 that I wrote a post about it saying, I'm going to do a podcast. I bought some of the equipment. I even put a test recording out there just to kind of tease people about a podcast that was going to come up. That was December of 2008. My very first episode came out July of 2010. So it took like a year and a half. Wow. And part of the reason was because I was just scared and fearful of putting myself out there. Sure. Um, but it was also because I did record that first episode and I just didn't think it was good enough. Mm-hmm. And so I re-recorded it a second time. And again, it wasn't good enough. And I re-recorded it a third time. <laughs> and after that, I was like, this, this, this is hard. Like, I don't know how people do this. I'm going to script the whole thing. So I wrote 20 pages. My very first episode was like 20 pages of, of everything I was going to say word for word. And you know, I feel like I did a pretty good job of reading it in a way where it sounded sort of as if it was conversational but that first episode took you know like two days to come out with and finally after that i was just like you know what screw this i'm just going to record what's on my mind 
and just go from there. It's not going to be perfect. It, it, it's not going to be perfect. And I have to live with that. And so what happened? Well, fast forward, you know, two and a half years later, I now am approaching 4 million downloads of my podcast, episode number 70. And there was, as a result, I've gone into Hollywood. Uh, I, I, am in, I was a social media and web director for a movie. Um, a, a producer found me on iTunes and contacted me to work with him, and I did. Wow. Um, I've been, I've been um, contacted by book publishers and literary agents who heard my podcast and want to work with me now. And more importantly, most, most important of all, I've learned that podcasting has and is the number one way that people are discovering my brand um, mm. more than any other sort of medium. I've, I've ran surveys on my blog, and the number one way people have found me is through my podcast. So if I didn't just say, okay, screw it, I'm just going to do this and, and you know realize that it wasn't for me and that I didn't have to be perfect, but the information I was putting out there was something that was going to be useful, um, it, it, it helped me get over my fears and just helped me just be like, okay, it's okay to not be perfect. And I was worried about what people would think of my voice or things like that. I was worried that I was going to get emails from people saying, you said, um, 45 times during this episode. <laughs> but that didn't happen. I've only gotten really positive things from the podcast that I did. And it's so funny how our mind works because we always must think be thinking the worst. of my podcast for the um thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, we always, we, we are our own worst enemy. And we always sure. think of the worst case scenario. And I remember same thing happened to me before you know getting into public speaking i thought that i don't even know how this is even possible now when i think about it but i, I thought that getting on stage i would somehow end up naked on a ditch on the side of the street somewhere <laughs> and that's what i was literary think literary thinking and that's just stupid like the the worst thing that can happen is i go up there and, and you know people aren't going to throw cans at me the people aren't going to throw tomatoes at me they don't do that anymore they just maybe don't agree with what you say or might get bored or yawn or fall asleep and if that's the case well then i can learn and go from there but public speaking has been one of the best things i've ever done now and um, you know now i'm getting paid to speak and doing keynote presentations it's just it's just incredible the the journey i've had and, and it's funny because right before something amazing happens or some incredible you know i reach some incredible new level in my business that fear and that resistance always comes yeah and now i find that that now i come across that and i'm like that's a good sign. That means that whatever I end up doing or whatever I'm trying to do is totally worth doing. I just yeah. got to figure it out. Yeah, it's straight from uh, Tim Ferriss. The thing that you fear the most is probably the thing you should do first. You know, it's mm -hmm. the biggest impact normally if you're afraid. So I, I remember I did uh, some public speaking at uh, the Warrior Forum event. I, I got to present, which was really cool. And I, I remember it's such a weird um kind of concept that when people are listening to you from the audience they uh kind of forget that you can see them <laughs> and it's kind of like they get in a trance like when we watch a video or whatever and i remember looking around and people were nodding or smiling but like i'd see somebody like picking their nose looking right at me and it's like you do realize i can see you right <laughs> you know but yeah there's no there, there's nothing bad like you said there's no big uh cane that comes and pulls you off the stage or anything like that yeah, so, I mean, we're not on Apollo or whatever, and they're not going to you know boo us off. <laughs> There's no gong. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so you know, something you brought up earlier that I thought was really cool, and I, I noticed you had on uh, patflynn.me as well, was uh, you did a, a talk with Dane Maxwell, and you were talking about um, selling something that doesn't exist yet and kind of having that mindset that's a little different than what most people think of, of creating a product or whatever. And, you know, I just, I love 
the uh, the insightfulness and the ingenuity of being able to sell something that doesn't exist. So in other words, going to your audience and saying, what's your biggest pain point? And if you could wave a magic wand, what would you like to see as a result? And then, great, if we could do that, what would it be worth to you? You know, And when people see that you're listening and they care and that you're being innovative and you know, you're talking about solutions, they're you know, beating on your door saying, sell me this, I need this, I want this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic what happens when you are you know, a business owner or an entrepreneur and you start with where the pain points are and what the problems are. Yeah. Then there's no guessing. Yeah. for what you might need to create. You know, because they, they told you. Now, part of that, obviously, is putting yourself out there and getting to know who that target audience is, what their pain points are, what their needs and wants are, and what their ideal solution would be. And that requires getting uncomfortable a little bit. That requires getting behind the phone, you know, actually picking up a phone, which a lot of people don't do anymore, um, and, and actually going to places where these people will get together and talking to them and actually genuinely being interested in what their issues might be. And when you can genuinely sort of portray that when you're having this conversation with them, whether it's on the phone or in person, they're going to see that you actually care and that, you know, the, the, that they might have a say in yeah. this whatever solution might be. And when they have a say in something, when they have direct influence on, you know, their ideal product, product or solution or whatever it may be, I mean, yeah, they're totally going to buy it. But more than that, they're totally going to help you promote it too everybody that they know who, who might have the same issue. And you know, a lot of times people who have the same issues, problems, fears, necessities, wants, desires, they all hang out together and they'll talk to each other. Yeah, and I think a big part of that too is the more you, you listen to people and you ask them about what's going on and you ask them, well, what do you think would be a good solution for that problem? You know, they don't feel like you've talked them into something. They're like, you know, Pat and I had a conversation and we came up with a great solution. So, of course, I'm on board. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it reminds me of a quote that actually I heard from James Franco, uh, which is, you know, you got to stop trying to be so interesting and stop and start being interested. Yeah. And, um, you know, as entrepreneurs and bloggers and people in the limelight, it's really easy to, you know, get a big head and, 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 try and be as interesting as possible and try to, you know, be a magnet that way by, by making yourself bigger. Right. But really it's when you extend yourself out there and get other people involved and start to get interested in what they have to say. That's, that's when really things can uh, take off in ways that you couldn't even ever dream of. Yeah. You know, I think it was, I've heard Tim Ferriss, uh, who's the author of the four hour work week a few times, but I think it was on your interview with him where, you asked him the question, you know, how did you get started? Because you kind of came out of nowhere with the four-hour work week. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I looked at basically the different ways that people contact people. Like they send them an email or, you know, they get on the phone or they meet them in person. And I looked at which one are people doing the least, which is meeting them in person. So I figured that was the most effective. And so we went to these conferences and instead of going to you know, somebody that's a speaker, for instance, he would go to the guy that was moderating that was actually running the event and say, hey, you know, here's a book I'm working on. Who do you think would be a good person for me to talk to? It might be interested. So they would in- introduce them to, you know, say Pat Flynn or whoever it is he really wanted to talk to. And um, I think that whole talking with people and building relationships is key. But like one of the things you said a minute ago is you got to get uncomfortable and like for me, I uh, I was really shy when I was a kid, really up until about 18. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I think that's huge for learning how to uh, talk to people. And really the key is what you just said a second ago, which is instead of trying to be interesting, it's to be interested, to ask questions, to listen, to actually care about people. You know, what's your thought on that as far as, you know, how important is it to get good at building relationships? Oh, it's, in, it's incredibly important and it can change the rest of your life. And that if I could, you know, like you, Mike, I was pretty shy back in high school and even before then. If I could go back and talk to my earlier self, I would say, you know, just I would slap myself first and say, dude, <laughs> get over yourself. Like, seriously, go ask that girl out. Go talk to those people. You have nothing to be afraid of, you know, and, and I would like. It's true, and and you know you, you think of I I can't remember where I heard this 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 data, and I don't even remember the exact numbers, but it, it it blew me away when I heard that the way that most people are getting jobs now is through connections that they already have. Yeah, you know, like jobs in the job market, not uh, yep. uh not the resumes that they create. And whenever someone talks about okay, how to get how do you get a job, we, we all talk about the resumes. You know, put this on your resume or this and that. You know, do all that stuff. But it's the connect. Like if you just have a simple connection with a pe- with a person who might know somebody who can hook you up, that's that's worth everything. Yeah. And you know, thinking back to how I landed my first job in architecture, it wasn't through resumes. It wasn't through even the architectural division at, at uh, uh, or 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 a program at Berkeley. It was through a connection in the marching band I had, because I was an executive director at the marching band, and I got to meet all these really cool people who knew people who knew other people and that's how I landed my job and so you know whether you're trying to get a new job or trying to progress in your entrepreneurship or just make things happen in your business there's nothing better you can do than connect with other people mm-hmm. not just your audience but other influential people in your niche and even people who outside of your niche because you never know and it just takes one person with one simple connection to really take things you know in a whole new direction for you yeah you know uh for me i was so shy i, I remember uh i the way i kind of got over my shyness was uh when i was 18 i was introduced to amway and uh i think i've always been an entrepreneur at heart because uh, like my mom works a business from home my dad has a business on the side um and so it, it clicked and made sense and i don't do amway anymore i'm not promoting it or anything but um but the big thing they always said was you got to go out and talk to people and uh, I would put on like a suit and go to like the supermarket and have like one thing in the cart and walk around, you know, hoping to like strike up conversations with people. And I'd be so shy. I mean, it could be like a little old lady and I was too afraid to say hello. And I would end up uh, driving home after not talking to anybody and like just cry in the car. And uh, for me, what got me over it was, you know, they would say like read 15 minutes a day and listen to a tape a day. And I'd I'd read for like two hours a day and I listened to like eight tapes a day and just for me, that was a, a positive association of being around a different mindset. And then also just the repetition of listening over and over again to uh, different things that people would say that were successful. Like I remember one guy said, you know, you want to hear some great conversation terms. Here's a good one. You don't say, well, what happened next? Wow. Yeah. So what did you do next? You know, and it's like, you start to kind of see these things. It's like, it's not about, let me impress you by saying how awesome I am. You know, it's, you know, so what are you interested in? Wow, that's really cool. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, when you have a normal conversation with a friend, that's what you say. You don't sell something right away. You don't, you know, all. it's just just like 
making friends. Um, and, and really that, that's the approach that you should take. And I remember, you know, it's funny you mentioned Amway because um, I had a job that put me in a situation being a shy person that made me feel the same way that you did. Mm-hmm. I actually worked for Greenpeace. So mm-hmm. for a while, I was that guy at the mall standing outside of the Apple store asking you if you care about the environment or, you know, things like that. Right. And I never felt comfortable just going up to people I've never met before and then, you know, knowing that I was going to eventually lead them to a form that they would fill out to then pay $25 a month for Greenpeace. Like, that just didn't sit right with me at all. And I was so shy. I didn't talk to anybody. So I had this job for two weeks until um, I didn't meet my quota because I had zero sales. Um, and they let me go. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was, just a, it was just an interesting experience. And, and, and um, you know, it showed me that, you know, it's really hard to sell people stuff before you meet them. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think helped you uh, get over that? Because, I mean, like, like I've seen you talk on stage on video as well as in person and like you come across as a hundred percent confident but not like arrogant but just like hey you know i know what i'm doing and i'm gonna share some great content what do you think helped you the most to kind of get out of that shyness and get over yourself well when it comes to something like selling stuff or presentations and things like that when i think about greenpeace you know i was giving this script that was from somebody else that I was supposed to read. And I didn't necessarily believe in it or I didn't, you know, have any sort of passion for it. I didn't really understand all of it. And, you know, it was really hard for me to be excited about it Mm. um, in that case. And for things I do now, it's stuff that I've experienced, stuff that I know really well, stuff that I don't need a script for anymore. And that's why I feel like I'm more comfortable um, because it's stuff I know, you know, I'm presenting on stuff I know, which is, which is great and very fortunate that I have this ability to do that. Um, and, and the opportunity to speak on stage, but, um, you know, just getting out of my shyness, what really helped me was joining the marching band at Cal Hmm. because I met so many cool people who were all there to do the same thing as me, which was play awesome music, put on a good show and have fun. And so I put myself around people who were aligned with the same sort of values and sort of interests and hobbies that I had. And as a result, I sort of break, broke out of my shyness because I got to know those people really well. And it sort of taught me, um, you know, that it's cool to have, you know, a lot of connections in your life. And so ever since then, I've just been really confident and understanding of the fact that, you know, everybody has a really cool story and everybody could be somebody potentially that could help you in one way or another, not necessarily become more successful, but just enrich your life a little bit. Mm. Uh, and, and that's what I always try to do now. Awesome. Awesome. So what do you have uh, coming up down the line that the people can look forward to? Well, uh, I just came out with my book, Let Go, and that was that was actually a really amazing experience i I, um released it on this platform on ios called snippet app and it did really well there and then i released it on amazon and it shot up to number one in business and uh, small business entrepreneurship um so i was really stoked about that and it got me really excited because i am coming out with more books in the future so i'm working on another one right now which is going to be primarily for the kindle platform and then i'm also starting some research for a traditionally published book too because that's something i've always wanted to do um it's just been a goal of a goal of mine to you know take my kids to Barnes and Noble or whatever and, and be like hey 
that, that's my book. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited that I have the opportunity to do that again um, from those connections that I made through the podcast and things like that in public speaking. Um, I'm also working on a course right now. I am also an advisor for a couple of companies, and this just recently happened. Um, people are coming to me and asking me for help and giving me a share of their company, which is really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just really, really cool, amazing stuff uh, that I never dreamt was possible. And so, you know, this all leads back to, you know, you think about the butterfly effect. It's all because I was laid off and um, as, as, as crappy as that was to get laid off at that time in 2008, it's probably the best thing that could ever happen to me because it just really forced me to explore these opportunities that I didn't even know were, were available. Uh, and now opportunities are sort of knocking at my doorstep. And so um, that's sort of what I have um, coming up. I also have or actually I'm in the middle of this thing called a niche site duel on my blog, which I'm really excited about. I saw that. What, what this is, is I'm, I, this is the second time I'm doing this. I'm actually building a website from scratch um, in a topic that I may or may not know about. It depends on sort of keyword research and how many people are searching for different terms and what the competition is like in Google. I did this in 2010 slash 2011. I built a site from scratch in the security guard training industry and I got it to number one in Google, and since then, it's been making two to three thousand dollars every month. And w- what's cool is, you know, that was another passive income stream for me. But in addition to that, and even better, was the fact that that became an example for a lot of people to start their own websites. And a lot of those people have since either quit their jobs or have created a side income and have become more comfortable in their life. Um, so I'm really excited to do that again in today's sort of search engine environment because it has changed since then, and you know, it could it could totally flop and I'm okay with that because this is, like I said, a learning process. Um, I'm happy to use myself as a crash test dummy. And, you know, even if I, if I fail, I know people are going to learn from it, but if I succeed, um, people are going to learn from it too. So it's a win no matter what. So do you mind if I dive into uh, a little bit about that whole, uh, niche model and ask you a couple questions about that? Uh, no, not at all. So like when you look at a niche, Let's say there's, you know, uh, you just pull them out of the air. There's a couple of niches I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Do you, um, obviously you look for traffic, you look for competition, see if people are reading about it and stuff like that. Um, you look for things like, you know, if you type in whatever it is, let's say it's underwater basket weaving. Uh, if you type it into Google and you see there's AdWords ads on the sides and that means people are ever, you know, spending money on advertising. So they're probably making money from that niche. Um, but do you also look for, Uh, like affiliate offers that are related or do you kind of steer away from that and just think, Hey, you know, once I establish a business platform and a relationship with these people, then I'll create my own product or how do you look at monetizing it? Um, why, you know, it depends on what the the niche is. Um, if say, for example, I got interested in underwater basket weaving and, (laughs) you know, I wasn't even interested in security guard training, but I was interested in helping the people who are looking to become security guards as far as, as far as creating a solution for them. Sure. So your passion doesn't have to lie in that exact topic, but it, it should lie in, in, in helping people. And that should be the approach you take with the products and services that you promote or create on that. Uh, site that you're going to create and so you know it's always good to see what affiliate offers are out there already for the topics that you might be creating a website about because one it'll show you just that there's money you know flowing in that industry two it could show you sort of what kinds of products people have and are buying and three you'll be able to see what potentially is missing and where those holes 
might be where you could fill in. And, um, you know, if those products are great, then I totally think it's okay to sell those products on your site and earn a commission from it if, the, if they do have an affiliate program. If they don't, then contact them. Um, you might actually have to use those products or test them out or um, maybe buy a few for some of your audience members to get honest opinions on them. Um, or if there's no, if, if there's a solution out there that doesn't exist, then you might, like we talked about earlier, uh, find those pain points and create it yourself. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So like in the, let's pick a niche, like rebuilding, you know, old muscle cars or something like that. I mean, you know, the, the tools, you know, like snap on or whatever companies mm-hmm. I'm sure probably don't have affiliate programs, but if you said, you know what, I'm going to build up my list, I'm going to build up, you know, uh, my subscribers and, you know, you get a few thousand people that are, you know, fanatics about rebuilding muscle cars and you're talking to your market and they're saying, you know what really bugs me? You know what I wish somebody would come up with is whatever, you know, a to-do list or a guide for how to, you know, keep my car running better or change my oil or whatever it is or finding parts or customizing it. Would you start with the, um, like if you looked at that niche and you said, great, there's enough traffic, enough people are crazy about it, uh, they like it, would you start with the concept of, great, so after I hear that from my market, I'm going to create a, a video tutorial myself. If I'm not necessarily an expert, I'm going to hire somebody to do it, that kind of thing. Or would you start the route of contacting companies that make the parts or whatever and saying, hey, if I could bring you enough traffic, would you be interested in paying me a commission as an affiliate uh why not both i mean i think you should do both mm-hmm. um you know uh, with the with the video thing um if you're not necessarily an expert you have actually a couple of advantages you you can approach it from a newbie standpoint um and and you know you are you can be your target audience you have someone who may not necessarily know about it if it's a niche that you're potentially sort of teaching someone how to do so that's the approach i took with my security guard training site, I didn't know how to become a security guard. So I, re- I did the research and I just posted and curated that information that I learned uh, on that website so the other people who were in the same position could find the same way uh, or could, 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 could find out that information. And, you know, it's really easy to find people within the niche already who would be willing for, you know, a small payment to help you out and potentially create a product. Maybe it's maybe it's a, a course full of interviews you do with all the top experts in that niche. Um, you don't have to know what to do you just need to ask the right questions and those questions should be based on what your market wants to know and that's based off of you know just exploring and diving deep into their wants needs pains and issues and desires and so on and so forth Um, but it's also good to contact existing companies and try to develop relationships with them that gives you an opportunity to potentially sell what they have to offer and I've contacted security guard training companies who didn't have an affiliate program and they created one for me because I did have that traffic um, and it also gives you an opportunity to sell your stuff on their site if there's some synergies in between uh, the both of you in the future. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's just great insight. I appreciate that. So um, so we mentioned a few different things from uh, the microphone to your book, uh, Let Go, to the uh, blog posts that you're working on on Smart Passive Income. Um, so what I'll do is I will set up a link at epicmarketer.com forward slash 50 just the number five zero, and uh, I'll put all the show notes in there as well as uh, linking to your site. Um, can you give the person listening any final advice, and then also uh, let them know how to contact you? Yeah, I mean, make sure 
you know, I and and I have to listen to my own advice sometimes too. It's you know, all this learning that we're doing, it means nothing unless you put it into action. And I think this is a good way to sort of bring back what we had mentioned at the top of the show, is you know, there's so many amazing things to do. And we know them because we hear from other people how it works or we read books or we listen to podcasts or read blog posts. But unless you do, nothing is going to happen. I mean, the only for sure thing is if you take no action, you will get no results. Hmm. Um, And so, you know, and, and beyond that, something I think is really important is to, you know, have confidence in yourself and, you know, know that you're probably going to fail sometimes or you may come across those barriers that you may have to fight through. Um, But the truth is, and this is, I'm going to quote a Henry Ford quote right now. It's my favorite quote of all time. It's whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Mm -hmm. Which means if you don't think you can do something, well, then it's not going to happen. So really believe in, in yourself um, yes, educate yourself and give yourself the best opportunity for things to happen, but also know that you have the ability to create and take what you learn and make something out of it. Um, so really, that's all I can say. Sweet. So uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Well, you can find my blog at smartpassiveincome.com. You can also check out my personal site at patflynn.me where I talk about some uh, of the other sort of uh sort of newer things that I might be working on. Um, and you can also tweet me at Pat Flynn, P-A-T-F-L-Y-N-N. I would love to uh, just know that you listen to this and, um, you know, if you say hi, that'd, that'd be awesome. I'll say hi back. Awesome, awesome. Well, I can't uh, can't suggest you enough, man. If anybody hasn't heard of you up until this call, <laughs> watch what Pat's doing. He's <laughs> one you, of the uh, trendsetters and just one of the coolest guys. And I love, love, love getting to meet people in person like we did in Chicago uh, that I've been listening to. And sometimes, honestly, that can be kind of a disappointment. Like you meet people in person, you're like, ooh, you know, they're not really who I expected. And, (laughs) you know, Pat, you were awesome. You're cooler than I expected, which is tough because I already thought you were cool. So, Oh, thanks, Mike. Keep it up, man. You're doing great. You're pretty cool, too. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. All right. So you have a great rest of the week, and I appreciate you being on here and sharing so much. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Internet Marketing Podcast. Please tell a friend to check out EpicMarketer.com.